This is Live On Purpose Radio, episode 516, The Law of Love. Now is the only time to create and live the life you love. I'm Dr. Paul Jenkins, the positivity psychologist. My job is to connect you to powerful positive psychology principles that immediately upgrade your relationships, business, and mental health. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And today I want to share with you something that's been buzzing in my head ever since I picked up a new book by Steve Young, yes, of NFL fame. That's Steve Young, who also, by the way, graduated with a law degree from my alma mater, Brigham Young University. Uh, He's actually a descendant of the namesake of that university, Brigham Young. And he wrote this brilliant little book called The Law of Love. Let's talk about that title for just a minute first, because it's like the law of gravity. So when we're talking about love in this context, it is not a feeling. It's a principle that determines the outcomes to everything. Think about gravity for a moment. You never get up in the morning and think, huh, I wonder if gravity's on today. It tends to be. And because of that, Your understanding of gravity allows you to conduct your life in such a way that you don't go walking off of cliffs because gravity is on. And you know this from your experience. Steve says in his book that the law of love is undefeated. It's kind of like saying gravity is always on. And love is one of these principles. So here's one of the most useful concepts I got from Steve Young's book, and that is the idea of two tracks. And on the one hand, we've got the preparatory track, okay? So it's kind of like prep school, right? It's preparing you for what? I had this conversation with a client just yesterday, a young man who is going to school, okay? He's in a community college, And he doesn't see the point. Well, his mom sees the point because she wants him to prepare for what's coming later. See, we don't don't go to school just to go to school. It's to prepare us for something else. What's the other track? The other track is the finishing track. It's, It's the experiential track where we get to take whatever we've learned in the preparatory track and go apply it to our life so that we can have an amazing life. So uh, when we think of these two tracks, the preparatory track is a transactional track. Cause and effect. Do this, get that. Put in this kind of effort or value and you get to reap or or harvest this value on the other side. I call this the law of the harvest sometimes. What you plant is what you get to harvest. You don't plant tomato seeds and expect watermelons. You're going to get tomatoes, 
Okay. So whatever you plant, that's what you get. It's kind of this transactional law of the harvest cause and effect level or track. Now, let me just insert here that both tracks are not only legitimate, but necessary. I think it's just important to discern between those two tracks so that we stay clear. Is this preparatory or is this finishing? Now, let's go over to the finishing track for a minute. This is the relational track. It's not about put this in, get that out. It's about connecting at a much deeper and more intimate and meaningful level. So when we're talking about love, we've got these two tracks. And the preparatory track is not the purpose for the whole thing. That just gets us ready for what's coming. And what's coming is better and more joyful and more fulfilling than whatever we do over on the preparatory or transactional track. Okay, now this is a little bit philosophical at this point, but let's make this real because this applies in every area of our life that has to do with our human experience and especially our interactions with other people. So I want to break this down into a couple of specific ways that this has to do with parenting, work relationships, and marriage. Let's talk about each one of those in turn. Okay, so let's start with parenting. This is one of my favorite topics, and this is what I'm best known for on YouTube, where our our channel, uh, Live On Purpose TV, gets 15 to 20,000 views every day, mostly from parents who are looking for ways to connect better with their kids and to get better outcomes and results. And what does this have to do with parenting? If you've been following my channel at all, or if you've been involved in our parent coaching programs, you know that we talk about a control and maturity model. Um, I'm a very visual person. I'm happy to give you a visual copy, a PDF, full color copy of this model. Just go to liveonpurposeradio.com slash stages. S-T-A-G-E-S. So the name of the podcast, liveonpurposeradio.com slash stages. And I'll put a copy of the model that I'm referring to right in your inbox. You can print it out, put it on your wall. If you're a parent, you'll want to do this anyway. But here's what it has to do with this idea of the law of love, especially when you break it into two tracks. When you go to the parenting model, you'll remember that there are three stages of moral development. Now, I, I tell parents all the time in our coaching programs, it's about stage, not age. When they call in with questions, for example, about how do I deal with this behavior or my kids experiencing anxiety or depression, or we, we're having a hard time getting our kids to listen without yelling. All of these questions come back to understanding these three stages. Stage one is the least mature. It's very selfish, self-centered. It's all about demands and manipulation and trying to get what I want and to get it now. It's very transactional. 
And that's where it ties into this, this law of love. So check it out. When you've got a kid who is on stage one, they're not thinking about what's the best way to interact with people. They're not thinking about who am I at my core and how should I show up as a result? No, they're thinking about what's in it for me or am I going to get clobbered for this? So it's very transactional. And as parents, we have to meet them at that level. So a lot of our parent coaching has to do with coming up with appropriate consequences for certain behaviors. Do you see how transactional that is? You do this, you get that. It's an economic transaction. And it has to be when kids are at that stage of development. Why? Because they have not yet reached a level of maturity that allows them to do the kind of moral thinking that's characteristic of the higher stages. So in the model, let's move up to stage two next. This is a more mature stage. And at stage two, you don't want any trouble. You want to keep the peace. So you're going to go along with people. You're going to negotiate. You're going to work out some kind of a win-win solution. Notice this is still transactional. But it also acknowledges the relationship. Because when kids get to stage two, they start to understand, hey, I've got other people in this world with me that I need to interact with, and things go lots better for me when I do. Still transactional, but a higher level than that very selfish, self-centered, what's in it for me kind of an approach that we get on stage one. Well, let's go to stage three. At stage three, it's all about responsibility and character and morals, and values, and ethics. This is what drives behavior at stage three. So a stage three kid doesn't need to be asked or reminded to do chores. They see what needs to be done, and they do it. Taking initiative, like my good friend Kirk Weisler represented in his book, The Dog Poop Initiative. If you're not familiar with that yet, Go check it out. You'll find it easily if you just go Google the Dog Poop Initiative by Kirk Weisler. It's about doing the right things for the right reasons. Why? Not because you get something out of it, although you will. It's because that's who you are. It's manifest. It's manifesting what's inside of you. Okay, so it's much more internalized. And I realized as I was reading The Law of Love by Steve Young that what he's describing here, a preparational, a preparatory track, and then a finishing track when it comes to love, it's the same thing we're doing in parenting. Because we start out our kids in a very transactional way. Do this, get that, cause and effect. Let's link up your behaviors with the way your life goes. And you have to do that because your brain needs that training. But here's the thing. If we stay in transactional mode too long, beyond the time when we should be graduating onto that finishing track, if we stay there too long, it creates three predictable feelings in a parent-child relationship. Frustration, anger, and resentment. Frustration, mostly on the part of the parent, anger and resentment, mostly on the part of the child, 
because we've got a parent who's trying to be over controlling, micromanaging in a very transactional way with a child who has matured beyond that. Now, sometimes we get older kids who are still being very immature. And, and that's a problem too. If the child does not graduate to more of a, a self-driven and internalized motivation for appropriate loving behavior, then they are themselves staying in a transactional mode beyond the time when they should. And that creates frustration, anger, and resentment. We need to graduate at some point to that higher level. Let's take a look at work relationships for a minute because these are affected also by the law of love. I work with a lot of companies and organizations and teams where there's a culture of micromanagement, or there has been in the past before they start to hook into what we're talking about here today. Managers, for example, who are so concerned about numbers and quotas that they forget about the people in their organization who are living real lives with real relationships and real issues. If people become a commodity, it creates a culture within an organization that is unhealthy and less productive. Now, we have to have the transactional track, okay, that preparatory track as we learn cause and effect and linking things up. This is true in a work environment too. But at some point, moving on to that higher level is what enables people within the organization and even between different organizations to function at a much higher level. I had the opportunity years ago on this podcast to interview Stephen M. R. Covey. He is the son of the original Stephen R. Covey, um, who, who wrote a book called The Speed of Trust. And I loved what Stephen was saying in this book. Because he said, look, if we have to be transactional in everything, in business, it slows things down. How long does it take for your attorney or team of attorneys to review a contract and make sure all of the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed? Now, we have to do that for a lot of reasons. But what happens if we could, because of our trust for each other, enter an agreement and move forward without all of the transactions? And Stephen's argument is that that accelerates progress, the speed of trust. Is it risky? Well, sure it is. Because if you're trusting someone and you haven't done all the transactional stuff, it could come back to bite you. But I've also found that when I have a choice to trust someone or not trust someone, and, and all other things being equal, if they haven't done anything to violate my trust, and if I assume positive intent and I choose trust, we move forward faster than when that is not present. This is an example of that higher level. Now, Quick disclaimer, I am not giving you business advice to throw away all of the contracts and just hope and trust. Although hope and trust 
to me, are very profound, sublime principles. And you will get burned occasionally. But I think assuming the best about people puts you in a much more powerful position, even if you're wrong. I discussed this with Emil Harker not too many episodes ago. Go back and look at his uh, discussion with me about turning conflict into closeness and the confidence in conflict. Uh, we've done two episodes over the last couple of years. Go look at that. It's it's the same idea that we're talking about here. We get to increase our productivity, our profitability, and the speed at which we can get there, according to Stephen M. R. Covey, when we have that higher level of thinking. Now, we're still talking about the law of love. Obviously, one of the things that comes to mind is marriage, right? And I've been doing marriage coaching and counseling now for the past 30 years as part of my practice. I've worked with a lot of couples. and. You might recall, I've mentioned this before, that I spent about 13 years of my career doing child custody evaluations for the court in a case of a a divorce. These are bitter, angry, divorcing folks who can't figure out how to share their kids. I've had a lot of experience in this particular area. And here's what I've noticed. If we remain transactional, this, this is the lower level. It's essential, okay, but it's the lower level, it's the preparatory level in our loving relationships. It becomes destructive at some point if we're not willing to take it to the next level, which is that finishing level, that relational level. I've made a distinction with some of the couples that I've worked with between a contract marriage. Now, listen to how transactional that sounds. You do this, I do that. You get what you want, I get what I want. It's an agreement, right? That's a contractual marriage versus what I call a covenant marriage. A a covenant marriage, a, a marriage of promise, a marriage of trust, a marriage of a deep abiding relationship that transcends whatever contracts are in place. And a lot of people have a sense of this. I've heard young people who have been living together for quite some time, for example, who are not yet married, which is a contract. It's a legal agreement, right? It's a transaction. And they say, why do we need a piece of paper to tell us that we're together? Well, you don't. The piece of paper is important for certain applications and for certain reasons. But I think what they're getting at is there's a higher, and I think uh, Steve Young in his book refers to higher and holier, because it's more godlike to love unconditionally. I don't love you because you fill my needs. That's transactional. I love you because I am a loving being, and I choose love. In my book, The Love Choice, I pointed out in that particular essay that there, there's only two options. It's either love or it's hate. And I use the word hate because people hate the word hate. But honestly, what is it? If we get too transactional, it's focused on me, me, me. 
It's about me getting what I want. That's very transactional and it slips over to the hate side if it doesn't get to be transformed into that higher and holier level of love. And I even give instructions in in that essay about how to choose hate. You choose hate when you do just the opposite of what we were talking about earlier. Assume the worst about someone else, like they're not going to fulfill their agreement, for example, or they're out to hurt you or ding you or zing you in some way. Assume the worst. Second, practice pride. Dig in your heels. You know that you're right. And because you're right, they are, by definition, wrong, very transactional still. Um, Assume the worst about that person. Dig in your heels to practice pride. And then number three, is use your amazing brain to think to destroy. Think up ways to retaliate or hurt or get yours, okay? You, and you can come up with a lot of ways to be destructive in your response to that relationship. Think about how this might play out on the freeway when someone cuts you off or when something doesn't go your way in a transaction you got it? This is how you choose hate. And it, I, I, I label it hate because it has a very determined effect. It's just like gravity, okay? The law of love is on always. You can't turn it off. And because of that, anytime you violate the law of love, you're going to have particular consequences to that violation. It's just like when you walk off of a cliff, you're going to fall. Okay. For sure. Or maybe sometimes or every time when you choose hate, you will create a, a predictable outcome that I call misery. And that's in relationships, but it's also in your personal psychological functioning. So notice it. Well, how do we choose love? That's exactly the opposite. You assume the best. Like we discussed on my conversation with Emil Harker a couple of episodes ago, assume the best, that people are doing the best that they know how to do with what they have most of the time. Just assume that. You're going to be safer even if you're wrong. Assume the best. Step number two, practice humility. This is where we give up our need to be right in exchange for being open. Being humble does not mean that you're wrong. Being humble means that you are open. And that opens up all kinds of possibilities. Practice humility. And third, think. Use that amazing brain of yours to create, to lift and inspire and edify. And as Steve Young points out in his book, seek to heal. Seek for healing for that other person. Look, hurt people hurt people. And when people are hurt, they show up in ways that are not particularly loving. Big surprise. That's probably true of you as well. Let's get that brain working for you, not against you, as you look for ways to lift, inspire, edify, heal, and love. That is the love choice. And as Steve Young points out in his book, the law of love is undefeated. I believe that that's true, as I've shared with you here today in parenting, in the workplace, and certainly in a marriage. 
This is powerful, you guys. The Law of Love, profound. I recommend the book. Go find it. Let's see if we can take what we've learned here today and apply it today. Can this make a difference for you somewhere? I hope that it can. It's time to live on purpose. Did you get what you came for? Give yourself the gift of taking real action on what you realized today. Please share this episode with someone you know would value it. And leave us a rating, too. It's time now to live on purpose.